Join the conversation with Tommy Weber. Pro and college baseball coach Tommy Weber brings you cutting-edge interviews and thought-provoking commentary in a weekly podcast dedicated to baseball, sports, current events, and the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and TommyWeberBaseball.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. It's time to get the conversation started, so here's your host, Tommy Weber. From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of downtown New York City, my hometown, the greatest city in the world, this is The Conversation. I am Tommy Weber, and welcome aboard for another great show. Uh, As you've heard me say many times, my show is all about kind of what my coaching life has always been about. It's giving players a voice, uh, being a player advocate, and uh, tonight's show is uh, no different. Um, I believe that uh, players need a voice and a place to, to talk and to view their concerns and their points of view because uh, one of the things that's really impressive about working with high-level players is not so much what they do physically um, because if you watch them long enough, you realize what they're capable very, very quickly of doing on the physical side of it. But it's really how sophisticated they are mentally, how articulate they are, and how in touch they are uh, with what it is um, they want to do and what their goals are and how committed they are to, to making those goals a reality. And, uh, tonight's guest is certainly, um, one of those people. Uh, Dom Canzone is a Ohio state junior. He's going to be, uh, eligible for the draft this June. Really excited. Uh, last year, um, up in the Cape, you know, one of the things we do is we uh, we listen to hitters, um, and you can hear guys who can really hit, and your eyes and your antenna perk up when a guy when it sounds different. And very early on in BP and early work, it sounded different when uh, Dom got to the plate, and uh, that bore fruit throughout the whole entire season. One of the absolute best hitters in the league, an All Star, um, a real. A complete focused hitter, a guy who uses the entire field foul line to foul line. I described him before a game once as a guy who takes what the pitcher gives him, uh, and when the pitcher uh, isn't looking, then does damage. But he will take the ball on the outside part of the plate, line it over the third baseman's head. Uh, he'll take that bad breaking ball down and in and hit it out of the park. A very, very bright future, really bright guy, and a dear friend. I want to welcome. Dom Canzone. How are you, pal? Real good. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm doing great. It's cold. I'm sure it's cold out there. Um, yeah, it's freezing here. Yeah, yeah. Never uh, my favorite time of the year, but uh, it's a chance to get a lot of stuff done inside. I'm sure you guys, uh, one of the questions I love to ask, especially early on, is uh, take us through a uh, big-time Division One player's uh, early fall day. What exactly are you doing on a daily basis, uh, weekly basis? What is part of the protocol at Ohio State? So after classes, basically get to the field a little bit early, get a couple swings in. Right now we have our hitting routines with our coaches, uh, Greg Beals and Matt Angle, so they kind of help us uh, break our swing down through some video, do some front toss, do some machine work, and basically just get as many swings in as we can. And then after that, we kind of go through, see what we did on our good swings and how to, how to repeat that. And then also after that, we either have um, conditioning with the team, basically mental toughness type of deal, or we have lifting, just getting stronger in the weight room and uh, what your body needs to work on. 
Mental toughness. What do they do? Like humiliate you in front of people and uh, see how how <laughs> how well you take it. What is mental toughness? Give me an example of that. It's just pushing your body to the limit. Basically, it's anything from prowler pushes to running you into the ground per se. But it's just being there for your brother and understanding that in life, um, if you can't trust the guy next to you, you're going to be in trouble. Okay, so it's also team. It's also team building. Yes, for sure. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, and how long does that go? Like, what? What do you, do you go home for Chris? I mean, what? What happens? You go to your break and then go home and then come back. What? What's? What's the? What's the next couple of months like? So obviously we get Thanksgiving. We get a, about a week off or so, and then we come back, get back into our um, hitting and uh, lifting groups, and then we're off for Christmas for about a month through about uh, beginning of January. How do you mitigate the long break? What do you do? for that month that you're off, are you given a protocol or is it basically up to you? We get a lift workout through the whole entire uh, month of December by Dean Hanson, our great strength and conditioning coach. And then I always go up and either hit by myself or hit with my dad up at uh, Strike Force in Hudson. So I got a lot of resources around me at home, which is kind of key. So I'm always staying active. Try not to take any days off unless your body's really feeling sore. So it's just that... It's just that con- constant work ethic that you have to have. So you'll you'll hit every day in that in that month, or or basically every day. I would say about anywhere from three to five days. Okay, just depending on how hard I lifted during the week. So essentially, um, you you want to stay. That month is about sharpness, right? About just staying sharp, staying familiar, never feeling like you take enough days off so that you kind of forget what you did the last time you were there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the last thing you want to do is come back come the beginning of January when everybody's back and you haven't swung a bat in a month or haven't lifted a weight and you're weak and you're not, you're just not ready for it. Tell me, um, growing up, uh, how you, I mean, you're from Ohio. Uh, tell me how you get, you know, a lot of people love to listen, especially, you know, parents of young kids who all aspire to play big time division one baseball. How did you, uh, wind up at Ohio State? Was it your dream school? Was it a school that was in the running? Did you have to make a choice? How, how, how is it your, is it school basically because it's your home state? Tell us how you got to Ohio State. It was definitely my dream school first off. And then also, um, they're one of the first schools that contacted me and consistently kept up with me. So that loyalty is just something that I've always really appreciated. And as soon as they offered me, I just took it right away because I knew that's where I was supposed to be. Wow. So, so looking back, right? So now you're a junior, you're a veteran, you're, you're a leader, obviously. Um, if, if you had anything that you would kind of, uh, change and do over or, or feel differently about, for instance, was there some anxiety you had, uh, starting your college career that two years in, you say, you know what, it was really nothing to worry about. Oh yeah, for sure. Coming in as a freshman, you're kind of look up to the upperclassmen, but at the same time, you, you come to the university for a reason that and that reason is to make an impact and right away. So for me, I started my freshman year off very poorly, lost a little bit of confidence, and then I uh, was out in and out of the lineup for a while. And that's just something as a player, obviously, you don't want to have happen. But I just said kind of screw it almost and just you got to work every single day. I eventually got in the lineup and then started to rake for the rest of the year. But I couldn't have done it without the coaches just continuously just telling me you're all right just like stick with it you have a great swing and it's sometimes when somebody else kind of gets on you and 
lets you know how really good you are and you came here for a reason and you get that confidence back and then you're right back in the in the big picture. It's interesting, the, the choice of words. You know, they change as the game evolves or changes, which is constant. The game is constantly, everything's constantly changing. Um, and we hear the word swing a lot, right? My swing is great. My swing is bad. My swing stinks today, whatever it might be. Um, to me, uh, one of the things that really impressed me the most about you uh, and about all really good hitters. And and when you're a good hitter at the level that you've been a good hitter, it's got to be really a big boost to your confidence. But f- what I watched was um, just your approach, how you rarely um, gave up at-bats or pitches. You squeezed a lot out of every at-bat. And I think that kind of hitter wears a pitcher down. You know, the more balls you foul off, the more good takes you, you make, uh, the more the odds start to flip in your favor where you're going to get a really good pitch that you could do damage with. Is that something you cultivated? Was that natural? Is that something you consciously think about? Talk to me about that. So I would, at, at the beginning of the Cape Cod season, I would definitely consider myself not even so much as a hitter, more as a swinger. And I was just kind of going out there and rather than actually having an approach, I was kind of my first time out there just feeling it out. And these pitch, the pitchers were so good that they were just overpowering me at first. But once I realized, Hey, just stick with my approach, take the ball the other way, lay off, lay off the off speed early in the count and make them command it first. And that's when I really started to hit my stride. And if you don't make those adjustments right away and you just keep repeating the same dumb thing, then you're never going to get better. So it was just one of those things where if you don't stick with your approach and how good you can really be, then you're never going to see the best side of you. Right. So you used your success as your frame of reference and said, listen, it worked for me, which is one of the things that you'll, you'll learn in pro ball. Listen, if it's working for you, keep doing it because if it works at one level, it'll probably work at the next level and you'll only have to make minor adjustments. Uh, so you used all the success you had in the past as your frame of reference to kind of get you to make those small adjustments that you had to make in the Cape mm-hmm. against such good pitching. Oh yes, for sure. But at the same time, you still have to make adjustments because the, I mean, the pitching in the Cape is just something that you're just not going to see in Division One baseball for the most part. There's going to be maybe a guy or two on each team that maybe has that type of stuff, but you can maybe get away with in D1 baseball maybe following off a good fastball or something. But if you fall off that first fastball in the Cape, you're probably not going to get another good one, and you're going to have to really battle and, like you said before, just kind of squeeze out the at bat and grind it away. So. That's where I think I developed the best was in the capers as a hitter and just taking what I got and not letting that first pitch fastball go by. So um, let, let's turn Dom Canzone into a hitting coach, you know, and we'll, and we'll have this conversation that I had with Jason Kanzler and with Neil all summer long because we lived together and this, two, for two years we lived together and all we really talked about was what was going on on the field, early work and the like with certain guys. Um, one of the words that we like to use is scramble, get desperate, and I, I think that's not uh, used enough. I think we use a lot of technical terms that kind of um, adjust and facilitate us mechanically, but the actual act is a little bit of, of an act of desperation. You do have to feel like, hey, I've got to bear down here and make something happen no matter what. That's that's what I see 
when I see you hit. A lot of times, you know, the game is lost or won. It's late. You know, it's 0-2. Uh, a lot of guys basically, you know, let's face it. It's the worst kept secret in the world. They concede that at bat a little bit. You did not do that. You, I didn't, I don't think I saw you do that one time. Uh, yeah, for sure. The two strike approach is one of the biggest things in baseball where I think people lack, especially the higher you get guys are still kind of swinging for the fences and mm-hmm. taking that oppo approach almost. And then also, as you said, Jason Kanzler helped me a tremendous amount with my two strike approach, even especially guys at the higher level don't want to say choke up because, Oh, like that's kind of soft or whatever. But I mean, it gets the job done. It puts it in play. It almost guarantees hard contact if they make a mistake. So it's just one of those things. If you're open to learning and open to adjusting, especially in the game, you're going to become a way better player. What were, what were the uh, things you took away from your work with Jason regarding two strike approach? Um, crowd of the plate for sure. Even, even at the Cape level, guys do not like to come inside and, right. If they do, they usually miss. And then choking up for sure was a huge thing. Just putting it in play, putting the barrel on the ball and finding holes. And that's just one of the biggest things he taught me. That's great. That's great. Great stuff. Great stuff from a great guy. Really tr- tremendous. Great, great mind. Uh, very lucky and fortunate to have a guy like that uh, for two seasons out there. So um, the upcoming Big Ten season, uh, how do you look? What's What's the prognosis? Uh, give us the inside scoop on the Buckeyes. We got a lot of returning uh, hitters coming back, so that's really good. We got some good young pitchers, and uh, we're just trying to develop the pen a little bit. I see some guys making some great strides, especially some of our younger guys. We're starting to, like like I said before, I mean, it's hard coming in as a freshman and trying to produce right away, but once you get that confidence, I really start to see them getting it now, and they're starting to really command their fastballs, and even their breaking stuff really well, so I mean, I'm excited for the season. We're definitely going to be able to hit. And um, I'm really excited about the guys that are on our staff right now. Well, as a captain, what do you feel? Do you have specific, um, do you have a specific idea of what's expected of a captain? Is it something that perhaps your head coach dictates to you? Is it about precedent? Is it about, you know, are you on your own to basically deal with uh, your captaincy as you see fit? Um, so we've got a couple other captains and uh, Nate Romans, Rich Winan, and Dylan Dingler. So, I mean, they'll obviously guide the team along the way too. But I mean, one of the biggest things about being a captain is just being that leader, not even so much just vocally, but by your actions on the field. So if they see you're going, they're going to want to go too. So it's just one of those things where, if you're sticking with your team, then they're going to follow. Cool. Cool. Very cool. I, I think they made a really good choice in you, man. You know how much I think of you. I think um, you are a leader and you're the kind of leader I like. Um, you know, you're not going to have to, you're not a yell and scream guy, but you're going to produce and you're going to work hard and, and, and run hard. And that's a good example. And that's what leaders do. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about, uh, what's your major? Sports industry. Sports industry. Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no wonder why we get along. I teach in the sport management school at St. John's. There you go. Um, oh, yeah. And I got the big bump this year. I'm going into the graduate school. How about that? No wonder why uh, nobody can read. <laughs> um, so uh, talk to us about, let me hear about your history high school ball, travel ball, what was your experience like as a kid? And who were your inspirations when you think back? Um, I would say one of my biggest inspirations in life was definitely my mom. She was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was in the fifth grade. So 
she was just always a warrior through it and she had a 50 50 chance to live and i thank god every day that i still have her in it and through that process baseball was one of my biggest outlets and just honestly just taking the anger out on the ball even as a young kid and then just coming home to my mom with no hair just just kind of fueled the fire a little bit and mm-hmm. made me work harder it was a huge stress reliever to just go out in the field and just play all day. And I just kind of want to be the warrior that she is every day. So, Wow. That's a great um, story. You know, you only, yeah, you only get, you only get one mom, man. That's really, you know, you could have, yeah, you could, you can get married 10 times, but you only get one mom and, uh, yeah. God bless her, man. God bless her. Yeah. And, and then like through high school and stuff, I was, uh, went to Walsh, a lot of great coaches and I still took, talk every once in a while to coach Greskovich. He's like a saint out there. He's working on the field every day. He just kind of told me the, I kind of came in very unpolished and he just told me kind of the right way to play the game. So that was big. And then obviously Ohio state is just the next step and just so many great resources, obviously at that big of a university. That's great. That's great. We are, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to play a little game. We're going to have some fun and uh, we will be right back with Dom Canzo. You're listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. We'll be right back. This episode of The Conversation with Tommy Weber is brought to you by 4momalz.com. Join the fight against Alzheimer's and support our good friends Hunter and Braden Bishop as they bring awareness to a struggle that many families face through their charity, 4mom. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at hashtag 4mom. And for all your mortgage needs, call Northern Security Capital Corp., the New York area's most dedicated mortgage broker. If you're buying or refinancing a home, there's only one place to go. Call Northern Security Capital Corp. today at 718-273-1010. And now, back to the show. I'm in London, got my beef from London. I start. No stones, no Chanel, Saint Laurent, Gucci bag, huh? Lifestyle, no stones, Louboutin, Jimmy Choo, that's on you, huh? Diamonds on my neck. We are back, unmistakably. Drake, of course. Who wouldn't know that, right? Obviously, it's Drake. I mean, and make- Young Thug. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> So, what was that? Young thug. Yes, of course. <laughs> I I knew that. I was, you know, I'm gonna play that on the piano. It's gonna be my next Sundays with Tommy. I'm gonna play Drake's whatever thug. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, hey, listen, you know Frank Sinatra is rolling over in his grave right now. But listen, <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> hey, you got a pretty girlfriend. That's all that matters, right? You listening to this music? Oh, you get pretty girls. That's all that matters. What what sorority is she in? Zeta Ta Alpha. Wow. Wow. That's excellent. Excellent. Very good. Very good. Uh, my wife's listening, so I can't really say anything. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So um, give, me, uh, give me a humorous anecdote about your experience in the Cape. Let me hear something. Give me a funny story. Um, so me, me and Hunter Bishop... I was, he was always in center and I was always in left. And especially at the beginning of the season when we weren't doing so well, we had a couple of pitchers that tended to walk a lot of guys and no. hanging out in the front. No. It would be like 
90 to 95 and we just call it the crock pot and everybody <laughs> we're just cooking in the crock pot so that was one of the things that me and hunter always laughed about and <laughs> even the fans would kind of get on in on it sometimes <laughs> you know it's amazing it's amazing the conversations that go on in baseball it's such a great game for that exact reason that you have so many different conversations like in the like the bullpen is basically like sodom and gomorrah i don't know if you ever spend any time out in that yeah. bullpen but that those guys are really i mean neil barbella and those guys were absolutely savages and since you're in the outfield nobody can hear you so you can have a conversation yeah. about anything you want you know and a lot of guys will work on their swings in the outfield and i'm sure the conversations very rarely are actually about baseball um nah, but yeah, that usually never <laughs> <laughs> That's some good stuff. Um, I'm going to give you a few names, and I want you to give me um, your impression. You ready? We'll have a, yep. little, we'll have a little fun with this. Uh, Ray Alejo. Probably the best base dealer I've ever seen in my life. That guy can play. Yeah. He can flat. Excellent base runner. Whew. How smart is Unbelievable he? Unbelievable arm. Whew. He hit the only... Excuse Check swing triple I've ever seen at YD. He literally could knock it out in the playoffs. <laughs> okay. Um, the big guy, my pal, Hunter Bishop. Probably my best friend at the Cape. I really, he really connected with me, especially early when I didn't know a lot of guys. Um, overall, he was definitely my favorite friend on the team. Just unlimited raw power. The ceiling is. It just never ends for him, honestly. He's, he's definitely going to be doing big things pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Great teammate. Um, playoff MVP. Uh, yeah. Champion. Hit us into the playoffs this year. So anybody who uh, who's listening, who's listening, who's around the team, you owe a great debt of gratitude to that kid. We all do. Um, okay, next. Let's see. I'm going to give you Ike Freeman. He has unbelievable hands. Um, showed off some unbelievable power, especially towards the end of the season. Yeah, he, he did. Had like, it felt like it was five home runs in like mm -hmm. three games. It was unbelievable. Um, great teammate. And then uh, made it pretty far in the College World Series. We always gave him crap about that too. So <laughs> he came in with all his new gear and we're just sitting here. Got knocked out a little bit early, and you get all that new gear. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, to the victor goes the spoils, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jason Kanzler. Um, just a great mentor. Um, always trying to get the most out of you. If if you say something to it and he doesn't agree, he's definitely going to um, not just let you know, but try to also teach you about it. And um, the amount I learned from him and also just from the confidence side as – I was having a conversation with you guys and you guys asked me if I would ever be able to play center field. I said, oh, I don't know if I have enough speed. And Jason's like, I mean, if you get the right reads, you can definitely play center. It's just about if you have the confidence and the work ethic. So it's just always about believing in yourself. And that guy knows an unlimited about the game. Yeah, so. he really, really is a special guy. He was a special player, uh, champion, terrific, terrific guy, great guy. Um, and one of my very, very best friends. Um, so now we're going to play a game we call Quick Pitch. All right, Everybody who's ever been on the show has played it. It's fun. Uh, I'm going to basically throw some stuff out at you, and you're going to give me your first impression. All right? You ready? Like a one-word answer? No, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Well, some of them will be one word, but they don't have to be one word. All right, you ready? Yeah. yeah. Favorite food? Ribs. 
That's a, that's out of left field. That's a good one. All right. Um, do you have a favorite rib joint in Ohio or something like that, or just you just love ribs? Uh, Montgomery Inn. They got some of the best sauce too. Where is that? Montgomery Inn. Uh, there's one in Columbus. I know there's one in Cincinnati. Okay. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Uh, what's the last show you binge watched? Um, let me think. Uh, Probably Rick and Morty. It's kind of a cartoon type of show. Was that? What's that on? Hulu. Okay. I'm sure uh, everyone who uh, is responsible for sending you to college is really happy that you're watching cartoons at this point in time. Very good. <laughs> Inspires great confidence in your future. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay, if you had if you had your choice, these people can't be related to you, okay, and they can't be living. So you have to have three dinner guests. Who would they be? Um, Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, and probably Ted Williams. Pretty good hitter. Pretty good hitter. Yeah. Did you My see grandpa's favorite guy? When we went to Fenway, did you see the Ted Williams chair in right field? Yes. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, now. I know everybody thinks that power was invented like two weeks ago. Like the modern day player literally thinks that people only started hitting the ball far like two weeks ago. You gotta, he hit that, that, that thing is forever. I don't know how far that is, but that chair is literally in like, it, it, it's like out of the state of Massachusetts for Christ's sake. It's gotta um, be over 500 feet. It's gotta be 500 feet. Wow. Right, right. Um, and just to give people a perspective, when we go through these workouts at Fenway, like the best guy hits one to the fence at Fenway. Maybe, maybe sneaks oh, yeah. one out. Maybe, right? Oh yeah, if you hit one out, it's yanked down the line. Right, you have to yank it down the line and the the pesky pole. Now, Ted Williams did that in the early forties, maybe the late thirties. Think about mm-hmm. that. That was eighty years ago. Eighty years ago, yeah. no weightlifting, no weight training. Flannel uniforms, okay? <laughs> really, smoking in the dugout, eating terribly, hit that ball that far. So maybe, maybe the lesson is, you know, there are no new tunes. It's all been done before, and maybe guys aren't hitting the ball so much further than we think they are. You know, the ballparks are a lot smaller, much smaller, all right? Mm-hmm. And when you see a guy who in the 30s who didn't lift the weight, you know, the only weight he lifted was his beer can for, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and his and his knife and fork and was able to hit a ball that far, it kind of gives us some perspective on this presumption that power is a new thing. Yeah, as if launch angle helps too. Right. Right. So, um just just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Okay, so that that's three really good dinner guests. I like that. I like that. So, um, where will you be spending the uh, the Christmas break? I'll just be spending it in uh, my hometown, uh, Hudson, Ohio, and then probably a little bit with my girlfriend too. I'm not sure if we're taking a vacation, but it just depends. Okay, sorority, nice sorority girl. Okay, um, tell tell me when you think when you think of baseball. Okay, because I've been asked this question and I'm asking you questions that I've been asked and answered and thought a lot about. What is it that compels you to the game? It's just kind of been my childhood dream. I mean, it's just something that's 
always been my passion. I've always wanted to work hard at it. It's never been so much work as it has been fun. I mean, even even the lifting and conditioning part, I mean, you're with your team, you're with your guys. Um, without it, I honestly would just be such a boring person, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. Without it, I have no idea what I'd do in my life. <laughs> so if they outlawed baseball tomorrow, what would you do? I have no idea. <laughs> just be a regular old student, I guess. I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, what I, I think one of the real compelling things about the game is, is, is the dugout, the conversations, the, the, the fact that there are no rules, you know, everything, nothing is sacred in baseball. You know, we, we, we get on guys for everything and anything and you better have thick skin because everyone is fair game. And mm -hmm. I, I, some of the greatest laughs I've ever had in my life have been, uh, obviously in and around baseball, whether on the field, BP, early work, batting practice, the, you know, in the dugout during games, um, that free exchange of information, like almost creating a laboratory situation for me is really, really compelling. Um, and, and, and having you out with us this year, uh, I saw that that was something that, that turned you on as well. I mean, I, I, I think that's one of the things that guys really enjoy, uh, about the experience that, that we were able to provide, um, is that kind of openness. Speak to that a little bit. I mean, you got to be able to take constructive criticism, and especially in a funny aspect. I mean, when you're on a team, I mean, everybody's everybody loves each other. You know, you can't just take it to heart. I mean, baseball is a game of failure, so I mean, if you fail and you get called out for it, it's not it's not that big of a deal. Just learn from it. So, I mean, if, I mean, the real guys who know how to joke around. I mean, it's it's nothing serious. It's just being with each other and honestly just loving each other. I mean, if I'm not messing with somebody or if I'm not pushing someone's buttons, I, I'm probably not that good of a friend of them, to be honest. Right, you probably don't like them that much. No. Right, if we're making fun of you, it's because we love you. Yeah. If we're ignoring you, <laughs> if we're sparing your feelings, then we don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Um, you... you uh, I, I just see great things for you. I've told you that. I told you that all season long. Um, you had an outstanding year. You really acquitted yourself well. It's a it's a huge test, and a lot of really terrific players uh, fall short at that level. They really do. Even though they go on to have great careers, they fall short. And the fact that you shine so brightly, I think, is a, an indication of uh, what's to come. Uh, you and I, hopefully, will go through it together all the way up. I, I have all the confidence in the world in you. I want to uh, thank you so much for uh, for stopping in. I want I want you to have a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, we, as you know, we'll talk again before that. But uh, my best to your family and uh, for everyone here at the conversation, we want to thank you, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Tommy. That was a lot of fun. All right. I love you, man. Be good. And I will, uh, right. we will talk soon. For everyone here at the conversation, this is Tommy Weber saying thank you and we will see you again.
Thanks for listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Have any thoughts on today's episode? Ideas for a new one? Join the conversation on Twitter at TommyWeberBball or Instagram at TommyWeberBaseball and share your thoughts. Tommy's back next week with a new episode of The Conversation. Subscribe and listen for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And of course, always at TommyWeberBaseball.com. Come.